Support for this podcast comes from Davis Malm. If you're a buyer, seller, investor, or lender, Davis Malm attorneys know each deal has unique needs and requirements. Building client relationships one transaction at a time. More at davismalm.com. D-A-V-I-S-M-A-L-M dot com. WBUR Podcasts, Boston. I'm Daryl C. Murphy, and you're listening to The Common. Today's episode is a very, very special one because this week marked one whole year of The Common. Now, our birthday was officially on Tuesday, but that was election day, so there was a lot of news happening, right? But we are celebrating now to mark the occasion with two very special guests. We have Common Producer, Caitlin Harrop. Hello, hello. And Common Producer, Franny Monahan. Hello. And listen, y'all, it's been a blast doing this show with you two, doing this show with the listeners ever since we launched last November. And so to celebrate, the three of us are going to reflect on our favorite episodes and moments from over the years. So, Caitlin, how are you feeling? I'm feeling good. It's a little emotional to be a year in. I think it's amazing to think of what we've done in a year, and it's exciting to think about the stage it sets for years to come. Mm -hmm. Franny, how about you? I'm feeling great, you guys. I mean, we're coming out of a really great month stretch. I think the show's been super strong. Mm -hmm. I mean, this has been such a fun experience for the last year, and I really don't I, don't, I can't imagine doing it with anyone else. Same. So, I feel like to kick us off, I think you should start. Okay, so check this out. One of my favorite episodes that we did is an early episode. It's about title insurance. We sat down and we talked with uh, then WBUR investigative reporter Beth Healy about how home buyers were paying these high prices for title insurance. And most of the money would go to lawyers who were making the home buyers purchase this insurance. I'll let Beth take it from here. The investigation we did was to look into this kind of mysterious world of title insurance. Your lawyer will tell you you've got to buy the first policy for the bank. Mm-hmm. You have to, to protect them in case something goes wrong with the title. But then you can buy a second optional policy for yourself. But they'll really strongly urge you to buy that. What you don't know and what they don't tell you is the lawyer is making up to 80% of the money you paid for all that insurance. What? Yes. Sitting down to talk with Beth, of course, we were interested because it had something to do with buying a home. And that's a big deal here in Massachusetts. But getting down into the nitty gritty of title insurance, there is a part of me that's like, okay, is this going to be really that interesting? And then when she just says that, you know, lawyers make up to like 80 percent of that. It was a scam story in my mind. I'm not saying it was a scam, but it felt like it gave me that kind of energy and it excited me. And it just taught me the importance of being in the moment with a story, no matter what it is, and just let the conversation take you on the adventure. Totally. I remember when I was doing the pre-interview with Beth for that story, I was like going in like, oh, this is going to be like kind of complicated, kind of boring. And then like she was telling me about it. And, you know, Beth, was great because she gets super into her stories and like every turn I was like what what yeah what (laughs) outrage over the title insurance story and now I'm like yeah title insurance 
That was a good one. Yeah. Like I said, it's, it's a good scam story and it's a story that we can all learn from. What do you think, Caitlin? Yeah, no, I totally agree. It was a great accountability piece and a great piece about taking something that maybe seems a little weedy and making it super accessible. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So who wants to go next? I'm going to go next. Hit it. All right. So here is what we've got. Daryl, do you remember when we went out for the opening of the Green Line extension? My toes remember because they were very cold. Your toes were so cold. It was December, (laughs) but we had the opportunity to go out and look at this thing that had been 30 years in the making and people were so excited. Mm -hmm. And we had the chance when we were there to talk with Angelique from East Arlington and their friend Charlotte from East Somerville. And they were so psyched to be there for the opening of the GLX. Hi. Happy GLX Day. Happy GLX Day. We're so excited. This has been a thousand years in the making my entire life. What's what's more, what's bigger, Christmas or this? Infrastructure is 365. We support the communities. (laughs) We support ourselves. We create a robust Boston area, which we cannot have without robust public transportation. And green is my favorite color. So, so pumped. So So excited. So psyched to be there. And in many ways, one might say that that day was a canon event because... We have been covering the GLX. Yeah. It feels like once a month ever since. So in that way, I think it became a thread that we hadn't even expected to be so long. And it's something we're still talking about today. Right. It shows the importance of the GLX story because Mm -hmm. you hear how excited people were. And now to be like roughly a year later, um, to see what's happening now with all the troubles, I think it just adds so much depth to the newer reporting coming out. How about you, Franny? What are you thinking? I mean, we love a transit story here on The Common. It's like such a near and dear topic to this show and to like just Boston in general. So, yeah, I mean, I I loved that piece. It was super fun to listen to. Mm -hmm. It was also like I think something that's so fun about doing the show with you guys is when we get to go out and just talk to people. And we just got to get out into our community bright and early and talk to folks who were just psyched to be out on the town. And that's always a really good time. We're going to take a break, but we'll be right back. The world's clean energy future relies on ancient elements still in the ground. Without mining, there will not be a clean energy transition. But pulling them out of the ground comes at an environmental and human cost. Mining is intrusive, but the results are the building blocks for products that we use every single day. I'm Meghna Chakrabarty. Join me on point for Elements of Energy, Mining for a Green Future, five special episodes. Listen and follow On Point wherever you get your podcasts. And we are back with more of our birthday episode. Now, Franny, what episode do you want to talk about? Yeah, one of the episodes from the last year that really stuck with me was when we spoke to Irene Lee, who's a James Beard Leadership Award winner and also the co-founder and owner of May May Dumplings, mm-hmm. who we've had on a few times. We were talking to her kind of in the aftermath of this thing that happened here at WBUR on the city space 
stage where she was interviewing celebrity chef Ming Tsai, and he made um, a number of somewhat disturbing and inappropriate comments towards her. Specifically, there was one about roofing, right? And it became the jumping off point for this conversation about the culture in our restaurants here in Boston. And we had Irene on later, not to talk about Ming or anything like that, but more about, you know, Daryl, I'm just going to let you and Irene take it from here. What can we as a community here in Boston do better to get us to a place where these kitchens are less toxic or not toxic at all? It's tough. I think one thing I would definitely say is we need to keep putting power and agency in the hands of workers. So if you have friends who work in restaurants, you know, ask them if there's stuff they want to share with you. I guess on top of that, I would ask people to keep an open mind about the difference between canceling someone and asking for accountability. I think that many of us don't even know what accountability looks like. Mm -hmm. We've not seen it modeled because we have lots of systems in place that don't really allow for that. Yeah, that was a really powerful episode, I think. Um, And it was exciting to get to do this episode, too, because up until this point, we had talked off the record with people mm -hmm. about problems in the restaurant industry. And it was a frustrating situation where it felt like it was an area that, you know, our industry was really, like here in Boston, really hesitant to kind of go into. And it kind of felt like, you know, with this episode, we got to push along a conversation that just, like, wasn't happening. And we've seen some really great coverage of the restaurant industry from The Globe and our colleagues here at BUR since then. So Mm -hmm. that was a special one. And also, like, anytime we get to talk about restaurants on the show, another topic that we love here. We love transit. We love eating. So Yeah, I was going to say, I think um, this was an early part of a conversation we're still having, which is that food is always more than food, whether we're talking about it from a business perspective or from a cultural perspective. It's never just about food. And I think that's something that we've had a lot of fun exploring this year and that I hope we'll get to continue exploring in the years that we keep doing the show. Mm -hmm. That's right. That's right. Daryl, I think we've got time for one more. What do you got for us? So another episode that sticks out to me is another early episode. We talked with Tiana Woodard from the Boston Globe about a story she did where she covered young Black Bostonians making their way down south, right, which is a reverse trend from the Great Migration uh, in the 20th century where a lot of Black folks uh, moved north from the south, you know. And that episode sticks out with me because it was nice to connect with the guest as two Black folks who are new to Boston and figuring our way out. It's one of my favorite episodes. Here it is. For young Black folks who are moving into the area, who want to give Boston a chance, what advice would you give them to help them get settled? You really have to put yourself out there. I would say go to as many events as you can. Go to as many Black spaces as you can. Just try and meet people. And I think that once you meet that person who I feel like, whether they've been here for a really long time, whether they're a native or not, like, even though Boston has a stereotype for being cold, I haven't encountered, like, one, like, Boston person who's not willing to help me or willing to help guide me or always inviting me to things. It really just, I think, takes that initial, like, spark. That was so nice to hear. because, And I find that mm. to be true. 
it takes some time to find your people, but you got to go out there and open yourself up to these experiences. And you will find that despite what folks tell you about Boston, people here, yes, they are very proud about their city. They're proud of where they live, but they are welcoming as long as you act right. <laughs> but yes, this is a place that can be warm and a place that you can call home, you know? That was when I worked on with you, Daryl. And at the very start of the show, you and Tiana had this time to kind of sit down and talk about what you missed from the places you'd lived before. Yeah. And it was such a beautiful human moment. And I feel like that's something that we've tried to continue on throughout the year. And the same conversation around what it means to live here, regardless of who you are, and what it means to be new in a city that has such a long history that is often very complicated and challenging is something I think we've had the chance to continue looking into. And I think this episode was one of the really early ones where we got to do that. So it's cool to listen back to it. Yeah, yeah. How about you, Franny? Yeah, I mean, I really loved this episode, too, because something about all of us here on The Common is that we're all Boston transplants. Mm -hmm. We are all mm -hmm. coming from somewhere different, and I think that's a little unusual. And, like, this is something, like, when we were in the very early days of developing the show, it's like, this is a show for everyone. This is a show for Bostonians who have been here for a long time and Bostonians who are new and who are trying to find, you know, their place in the city. And I think this was, like, just one of those shows that kind of, like, really perfectly hit that tone mm -hmm. and really spoke to that to that mission that I think we all feel here at The Common, which is, you know, Boston is a city for everyone. And we want this show to be a show for everyone. Yeah. Mm hmm Well... Right now, I think it's a show for cake. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you are in luck, my friend. It's our birthday. <laughs> we got to get some cake going. <laughs> anyway, we do have a birthday cake fresh in from Flower Bakery in Shout Harvard out to Flower. Square. I'm, I'm going to light the candle. Do we all blow it out together? Do we sing? Happy birthday <laughs> to you. Take it away, Daryl. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, happy birthday to ya, to the common. Happy Woo! birthday. Here we go. Ladies yeah, make a wish. Oh, Yay. Right. <laughs> and that concludes our birthday episode. Thank you all so, so much for listening to the comment. We truly mean that from the bottom of our hearts. We cannot do this without you. So thank you so very much. And look, if you like what you've been hearing for the last year, please go to wherever you are listening to podcasts, especially Apple or Spotify. Rate and review us. It will help to keep us around for many more years to come. And now it is that time for me to let you know that the common is mixed by our wonderful, wonderful, wonderful sound engineers, Emily Jankowski, Matt Reed, and Paul Vitkus. And it's edited by Samatha Joshi and Ben Brock Johnson. And our theme music is me from Hisu and from the newsroom of WBUR. I'm Daryl C. Murphy. I'm Franny Monahan. And I'm Caitlin Harrop. And we'll talk to you soon.